Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. Everybody on? Good, great, grand, wonderful. No yelling on the bus! Michael Preston. Pretty much my sentiment after that football game, if you want to call it that, last Saturday against the California Golden Bears. Uh, Jeff News from Podcast versus everyone going to join us because I always have, I don't know, I can never find a guest for Stanford Week. I can never do it. Also, Jeff's a lot smarter than me and it's also valuable to have a smarter person here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the football team, a little bit about the basketball team, and then we're going to talk about that Pac-12 officiating issue um, I don't, I don't want to cop out and make them the dunderhead of the week. That's easy. That's cheap. And we frankly need to spend more time on it than just the two minutes I dedicate with stupid music underneath it. Uh, we will have another dunderhead of the week. And then as always finish up with ask Michael anything. I think if you looked at, we talk a lot about the kook center author slack thread on this show and podcast versus everyone. And if you looked at what I was saying in that thread Saturday night, uh, it was not pretty. Lots of curse words we don't allow on this here podcast because we are very family friendly. You should be able to listen to it like when you're changing your baby or something. Uh, but to me, off a of buy, that, that is... Kind of a classic, what we had come to know from Mike Leach previous to these past few seasons. The team struggles off a bye, and then the cow bull bleep. Right? We talked about this last week. There's always, or a couple of weeks ago, there's always this team that just causes you that agony. Like, for whatever reason. Everybody's got one of those teams in the conference. For Washington State, and, and I mean inexplicably, not like, they're just always better than you, and they're better than you. Washington State has Cal. Washington has Oregon. Oregon State's got probably Washington State. Everybody's got that one team who just like, for whatever reason, you can't ever just like play well and consistently against them. And for Washington State, that's Cal. And you said it was on full freaking display Right away. Literally right away in that game. With an interception. One offensive play for Cal. They score a blocked PAT return. Then Blake Mazza kicks a field goal. And then at one point, the score before a two-point conversion was made was 11-5. After that, it got less weird at 13-5. And the halftime score was 13-11. to That is weird. <laughs> That is, that is, that just typifies the Cal BS. But to me, this is a team that came out against a, a Cal team that was reeling, frankly. Lost four in a row. Their offense looked completely lost. Their defense still good, but by no means this version of Cal that we had known the past couple of seasons. And Washington State just fell flat onto their face. And I would argue their worst defensive performance of the season. The defense just had to be like kind of okay in that game. Below average. They just needed to be below average against California. 
And they responded by allowing Devin Modster to average over nine yards an attempt. Devin Modster. Who is... It it, it is not a stretch to say this. A bad quarterback. Devin Monster threw passes of 52, 35, and 48 yards. He threw 24 passes and picked up 230 yards through the air. He picked up 54 yards on the ground. Cal as a team picked up 215. 445 yards from that offense. That offense. That is one of the worst in the country. And again, it, it the numbers just bear that out. And we called that a must win because I look at these final three games and you look and again like that Apple Cup, no way. Jacob Easton is going to throw this foot that football all over the dang yard. And I called it a must win last week because you didn't want to come back to Pullman with the pressure of having to win those final two home games. Especially because Oregon State looks pretty threatening. They look pretty good right now. Didn't have a great game against Washington, but that was it was such a weird football game. Now you gotta win the next two. Bare minimum. Because you can't split these two and go into the Apple Cup needing that one. Lord knows how that'd turn out. And this is a team that screams to me, needing those bowl practices. I understand what they have gone through this year, losing a defensive coordinator and, you know, replaced by another guy and someone like part-time and losing Jalen Thompson and Peyton Pluer and Gardner Minshew. And I understand all the things that broke the wrong way this year compared to the years previous. But there is just no excuse for that performance. And Mike Leach put it on himself and the coaches and everybody after the game. And said, it's it's on us, it's on them, it's on everyone. It's everybody's fault. I, I It just, it baffles my mind the step backwards that game was after coming within a game-winning field goal drive of upsetting the now number six team in the country in their house. And then you go to Berkeley and lay an absolute turd like that on the turf in Strawberry Canyon. I, I, I just, it, I, I do not, for the life of me, understand how this team just swings so violently and wildly in terms of performance quality. Because that Colorado game, they dominated the Buffs. They made the Buffs, I, I just, they just, why did they even bother to come up to Pullman? They made it look really easy. In that game. It got a little tight in the third quarter, but they put it away. And so you're left to wonder where that football team is. And will they show up this weekend against the Stanford Cardinal? Will they show up in a game in a full stadium, full of dads, full of students, full of alums who have not been back to Pullman for a month? The weather looks okay. No rain in the forecast, so that's good. Are they going to show up to this football game? 
are we going to see the football team that we saw, you know, pound New Mexico State, come back against Houston, and not lie down and die against the Oregon Ducks? Are you going to see that football team? Because I frankly have no idea what you're going to get. I mean, this is literally a box of chocolates on Saturday. You should, in theory, be getting a much better offensive performance out of this squad because Stanford is missing their best corner. They're missing their best safety. They're probably going to be missing KJ Costello on the offensive side of the football. They are reeling. Stanford lost to Colorado last week. I have no idea what to make of that team, but they are having a terrible season. And Washington State needs to win this football game. I, I, I got to think a quick start is of the utmost importance here. That starting this game fast, getting to Stanford's defense without their best corner, without their best safety, and just hammering them tirelessly is going to be the way to go. Because we saw that was the way to go against Colorado when they, they kind of made like a little minor comeback in the third quarter. That's what this team needs to do. They dang near did it against Arizona State. But come out with your butts on fire against Stanford because you're home for the first time in a month. And combined with everything else, I truly do wonder how much of an effect this schedule had on this football team. How bad, how, how much did it make, you know, exacerbate things? I'm not interested in excuse making with it, but from the middle of September to this weekend, they had one home game. And I understand there were buys between those road games, but not only did they have one home game, even with all that in mind, and only six home games to play the Pac-12 somehow gave them a six o'clock kickoff on the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And with the refereeing issues Washington State has had, I, it gets Harder and harder and harder to say that the conference just does not care for having its land-grant institution in Washington in it. I'm not going to go full conspiracy theory on it, but it just, you just, all the things you see. Again, it makes it very difficult to not feel like, wow, it really is Cougs versus everybody. So do you come out and play with your hair on fire against a Stanford team that you've taken care of business against? For God, it's been the last four years. David Shaw cannot figure out a way to beat Mike Leach. Cannot do it. So do you allow that to continue again this year? Do you put them away again this year? And I'm sorry, it's only been the last three years because I forgot about that very close game in 2015 where Eric Powell missed his sixth field goal and everybody drugged the poor kid through the mud and it's like only made five field goals earlier in the game so he's like, maybe score a touchdown? I don't know. Anyway, have to have it if you want to go to a bowl game. Have to have it. My God, is that UCLA loss just really hanging even worse now in my mind? Get out to a big start in front of the dads. Get out and just with your hair on fire for this offense. The defense getting a stop or a turnover early would be great. Just something to give the fans hope that this team still has some fight left in them because 
I, I, if they come over or if they come out and roll over in that first half and Stanford has a lead at halftime, that's the season for me. That's, that'll be it because you're going to see a team that, you know, again, they're at home and they're playing the easy, probably the easiest team left on their schedule for being honest. And they've got to have this and they got to know that. So I'm hoping the home cooking helps, but not feeling great. Can't lie about that. Jeff Neusser, podcast versus everyone. Coming up next here on the Cook Center Hour. Back here on the Coog Center Hour, we are now joined by a on-the-mend uh, Jeff Neusser, who I assume is sick <laughs> from just uh, celebrating on Sunday a little bit too much uh, after the Sounders added a star in that three. I'm going to call it 3 nothing because that last goal was kind of like... It doesn't really count. Yeah, who's who's defending at that point? And they covered. No winners, winners win. Champions cover. They covered. Uh... I don't know what the over under well, we was. We were in the middle. We were in the middle of the boom boom clap, and yeah. because of where we were sitting, we we couldn't hear the boom boom. So basically, I had to stare at the ECS to figure out when to clap, which was great. Except all of a sudden, Craig goes, "Oh, dude, they scored!" And I'm like, "Oh," because I'm like looking down at the other end. I think yeah, I took a I took a video of that, and I inadvertently got the goal on my video too. So that was we're, yeah. we were on we're in the opposite end of the stadium where that goal was scored, but you can still see Josie right. Altador's head uh, put it in there. Um, okay, I want to, we'll talk about this football game a little bit. We'll talk, I want to talk about the refereeing issues. You don't want to um, you don't want to keep uh, like I could talk Sounders all night if you want. Um. Uh, I mean, we could, no. but I think the people are here for the kooks. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, right. we have some we have some Timbers fans in the audience. I know Craig so. and I made the same call on on Monday, so yeah. No, it's it's, it's yeah, just yeah, uh, yeah. I'm recover recovering from that game, and then also it's Christmas time, and I work at an e-commerce company, so and, things get a little busy. Um, and I just last thing on that because I, I do know that we have some Timbers fans who uh, who who listen to both of our podcasts, mm-hmm. and I do want to say to them. That uh, winning a championship at home is pretty great, and winning a second championship is pretty great, and and I I hope that someday they get to experience those things. It's not many uh, many things in which my my fandom gets to be superior, so I'll take it in my soccer team uh, above so, any other. It's uh, so true. It's my baseball so true. team, my football team, well my my professional football team, kind of sort of. Yeah. My baseball. Oh, never mind. We're not even talking about that. Um, yeah, we're yeah. two minutes in, anyway, and I, I finally want this. It, that was, that was just so, Cali, wasn't it? Like that. That was just super. And I don't mean Cali like California, but like Cali like that was just so, Cal Golden Bears that whole game. I mean, yeah. I, I could get into the nuance of why it happened and what went wrong, but it just, for me, they came out completely flat. Cal got the points they needed early. They didn't convert that two-point conversion at the end of the second half. And then Cal just came out and turd-quartered them basically to death after that. It was uh, it was the Cal game of Cal games, man. I yeah. mean, it, you know, screwing up the refereeing, the, the way it got screwed up. I mean, yeah. It's, you know, John Wilder made a point that you know, hey, Wazoo's got to be wondering, you know, what, you know, basically like, you know, what, what's a guy got to do to get some respect around here, right? Like the like the Rodney Dangerfield for, for those people of a certain age, right? Yeah. And, you know, I 
I, I want to say that the conference doesn't have it in for Wazoo because they screw up everybody, and it's not personal when you always suck, right? Mm-hmm. But I will, but I will say this: when when you take a a Cal WSU game and you give us uh, the brand new ref who I had never seen before. Now maybe he had called, you know, been the head ref for another game. Uh, at some point this season, I'd, I I'd, I'd never, I'd seen, never seen him in a Wazoo game. I'd never seen him in a Wazoo yeah, game before. And, and I mean, I watch a reasonable amount of Pac-12 football. I mean, I don't watch every game, but I watch enough. I've never and that I'm familiar enough with. I'm familiar with most of the reps, and I'd never seen this guy. And so, um, you know, I do think it speaks something that uh, you know that that guy was put on one of our games, particularly after you know last year's debacle. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's incompetence that leads to, uh, very Cal things and, um, yeah, it it was just one of those games. The guys didn't really show up. Um, you know, effort was inconsistent, uh, you know, ability to be tough as Leach likes to talk about was inconsistent. You know, and I think the, you know, people sometimes reduce the toughness thing a little too far. I think sometimes he's really just speaking to, you know, discipline and, and the ability yeah. to, uh, you know, win your battle and play the next play and all the other stuff that he says that seems very, uh, you know, very banal, but also like it is, is, you know, critical to what he's built, what he, what he's built with the program. So, um, you know, I, for whatever reason, these guys have the have had these pop up a couple times. Utah was one, uh, and then and then this. So you know, I mean, I don't know. Hopefully, it means that they're going to rebound this weekend. I think Jeff and I, you know, we you and I have talked about this before, and I I, I kind of wonder, and I talked about it a bit in the opening, is you know, are we truly seeing the effects of this schedule on this football team because? I think we all saw it come out at the beginning of the season that, you know, you go September 22nd against UCLA, then all the way to October 18th against Colorado, and now all the way to November 16th against Stanford. Those are full months between games at home. And yeah, I get that there are bye weeks in between the away games, which helps things, but... There, there kind of is something to playing at home. I don't, you know, I don't care if it's professional or college. There is something to playing at home and playing in front of a home atmosphere because you saw this team come out against Colorado, a not very good Colorado team, and do exactly what they should have done to them the minute they stepped back into a very rainy and windy Martin Stadium. Do you think there's at least I, – I, there's no excuses for the you know lack of effort and, like you said, lack of toughness on Saturday in Berkeley, but there's got to be at least something to that where these guys are – this is this is just getting to be a lot on them. I think we'll know a little bit more after these next two games, and right. I, I think there's something to be said for the detriment of not playing at home versus. So I, I think there's kind of like two different arguments you can make here. One is that that yeah that this this you know all these road games have have been actively detrimental to the team. Mm-hmm. Or you can make the argument that the record is suffering mostly because just it's harder to win away from home. And I, I tend to think it's more the latter. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of figure it out over the next couple of games. You know, is it just that they're bad? Has something been taken out of them? You know, I mean, those kinds of things. Um, but I, I just think that, you know, you, when your team's not very good, 
at a number of things. And when, you know, you have a horrendous defense that is, you know, more likely to have problems on the road. And when you have an offense that is prone to really ill-timed mistakes, um, I mean, I think those are things that get exacerbated when you're on the road. And then when you stack up so many road games, you know, over the course of, Mm -hmm you know, a month and a half, right? Basically one home game and four road games over a month and a half. Um, you know, I, I think that's where you start to see, that's where it affects the record, right? And so um, I don't know that I buy so much that like it's like it's taken it out of them. I mean, right. I, I would buy that if it was, you know, road, 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 home, road, 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 you know, I mean, that kind of thing. Um, just kind of without any breaks. But, I mean, I, I think the bye weeks do help. If the big issues you get into is, you know, just basically traveling back and forth. Yeah. The bye weeks sort of eliminate some of that. So I, I think that it has taken a toll on the record. Um, I think that that's, you know, part of what's put us in this spot. Um, but, you know, I mean, we'll see. I mean, if, if they play well in the next couple games and take care of business against Stanford and Oregon State, I think I think what you'll see is that it's just a function of, you know, being away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are, you know, really bad maybe the next couple games and, and uh, play themselves right out of bowl eligibility, um, then I think maybe you could make an argument that, yeah, these, uh, you know, the, this, the way the schedule was set up actually was actively detrimental to the, yeah. to the team's overall success. Um, I, I, I kind of go back and again, talked about this in the opening, but it, you know, I, I think what, you know, gets the blood boiling more than anything is that Cal defense, you know, it's, it's not the Cal defense we've seen the past couple of years, but it's still a pretty darn good uh, unit. It's that Devin Modster had over nine yards per passing attempt in yeah. that game, and you know, I know, I know the Washington State defense is bad, like horror bad, but the Cal offense is worse. And it was interesting to me, you know, that that Colorado game was strength on weakness, and this was strength on strength and weakness on weakness. And to me, it, it, it just baffled me that Cal was that much better offensively. It didn't help that they got a short field a couple of times from some bad turnovers, like you said. But it, it, did it even surprise you how bad this defense was? Or maybe I'm being a little naive and I should have suspected all along that maybe they really are just this bad. Yeah, yeah, it surprised me. Uh, it seemed like they had been making some incremental improvements uh, since yeah. Tracy Clay's left. Uh, you know, Arizona State, they were, you know, a couple plays away, and they, they had started to reduce the explosive plays. Uh, they had reduced, you know, the explosive plays against against Colorado, um, although there were a couple of plays there for Montez to make that he couldn't make, but still. Um, they didn't give up any, you know, 80 yard touchdown runs or anything. Um, mm-hmm. The next weekend, it's Oregon, kind of the same deal. Uh, you know, it sort of reduced the the really back breaking explosives, except for a couple. And, you know, so that was good. And, and then, so it made you think, okay, you know, you, you take the level of competition down just a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you figure you gave up 35 to Arizona State, you gave up, you know, 35 to Oregon. Well, okay, is it reasonable to think that you can keep Cal in the low 20s? Like, that should have been a reasonable expectation. 
and then to go ahead and go out and give up 33. And I know a couple of them were on short fields, but um, they also, it's not like they got a short field and then it took them eight plays to get in the end zone over 30 yards. It, like it took them one play to get in the end zone over 30 yards or four plays to go 40 yards. Like, like they were just getting spanked up and down the field for the most part. So, um, yeah, it, it, it surprised me. It took me by surprise. Um, it's the sort of thing that, um, you know, made me think that, you know, perhaps, uh, you know, it was a focus thing and, and it was a, uh, it was an emotion thing and it, it was a showing up thing. And I think, uh, you know, I think Leach kind of captured that with his postgame comments. Um, offensively, I, I, you know, I know, I, I think what concerns me here is that we're going to continue to see this crying for more Max Borgie and, you know, you know, I even saw, we saw a question to Theo Lawson at the spokesman today is like, should Tinsley and Gabrud get a shot in this offense, which is patently absurd. But I think what people, no, <laughs> I didn't, but I just, no, I, oh yeah, oh no, but gosh. I, oh, oh yes. But I, I just, I kind of want to like go off of that and basically say that this offense is still this offense. And it's not like Gardner Minshew was out there last year against Cal lighting it up against these golden bears. Right. He did not have a very good game and, we don't need to talk about the game a couple of years ago, but you know, again, Anthony Gordon probably arguably had the best game of any Wazoo quarterback the last three years against Cal. So I, I know this offense has its issues at left tackle. Decidedly. I, I don't love dragging individual players through the mud, but Liam Ryan is having a really not great season. Uh, but th- this offense is still everybody, you know, you can only score so many points. You can only yeah. score so much. So it, it, one bad game does not beget this offense being right. bad, right? Or regressing, right? No. I mean, it's still a really good offense. I mean, you know, people, you know, the, the, their biggest problem is that they are they are prone to errors that are just killers, you know, yeah. that turnovers. Uh, you know, turn as I talked about on, on our podcast earlier in the week, you know, we talked about how turnovers – with combined with this defense turnovers aren't just turnovers you know turnovers are you know points coming back the other way too you know so there's a there's an actual like compounding effect right where mm-hmm. instead of you know maybe you going down and scoring okay you didn't score and then they're probably going to score so there's some point swing that you know ranges from probably like 6 to 14 right yeah. where it's like that that's the kind of swing that you're talking about um, you know, so they have a tendency to, they have a tendency to do that. And, uh, you know, ill-time turnovers or ill-time penalties. I mean, um, you know, particularly the left tackle, uh, who, you know, like you said, we, we don't typically like to drag guys through the mud, but it's also like, I mean, he's clearly playing out of position. I, I think the more right. disturbing part is that they didn't have a better replacement lined up for Dillard. Um, and that even with Ryan's struggles, you know, they still don't have, um, another replacement. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that's a little more concerning is, you know, you had four years to line up a, a suitable replacement for Andre Dillard. You didn't do it, um, or couldn't do it. So, so that's sort of, that's, you know, that part to me is problematic, but, um, you know, they just, it, it, it's sort of like, uh, you know, they, they just, they get unlucky. They have, you know, they're not bad because they're unlucky and they're not you know unlucky because they're bad but it's like you can be both good and unlucky you know with the with the fumbles and Mm -hmm. uh you know everything else and you know balls that get tipped that that end up getting intercepted i mean they just 
you know, um, it's still a really good offense that moves the ball. I mean, Anthony Gordon still finished with over 400 yards passing in a summer, you know, a bunch of it was on the last drive, but you know, I mean, there's just, you know, they're still really good. You know, you just keep hoping that at some point it'll leave it out a little bit and maybe, uh, you know, maybe they can get these next two games, take the pressure of bowl eligibility out of the apple cup and, uh, you know who knows what happens in the Apple Cup. I, you know, we all we all sort of joke about we're going to lose for sure every year, but um, you know this Washington team is, you know, they're about they're 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 about do. as consistent as Washington State. Let's I mean, yeah, that's, they I mean, they they should have do, smacked so. Oregon State around and they beat them by 12, 19 to yeah. seven, and it was it was yeah. frankly closer than that too. Yeah, it was that was an ugly ass football yeah. game. Yeah, so. um, you know who knows. Yeah. I, w- I want to touch on kind of one more thing uh, before I let you get back to a humidifier and some orange juice. Um, <laughs> is um, is I do want to go back to the conference and you know again I I don't know the difference this call being made correctly would have made um, because it, I, I I've tried to say often on the show and I know you I believe support this as well. It's like you can't you can't just live in like the well, if this, then that, when we, we just right. don't know. Um, right. But, as Wilner said, it is in essence a 57-yard penalty when you call an illegal hands to the face on the wrong team after Travell <laughs> Harris dang near houses a kickoff and you bring this team all the way back to the 8-yard line. So instead of correctly calling the penalty as happening on the Washington State 16 and then assessing at the end of the kick return... You assess half the distance to the goal, and they're back on the right. eight-yard line. And that the conference says, well, it was acknowledged immediately after a play or two, and then Mike Leach says, well, no, it wasn't. I didn't hear about it. So not only does the conference have to correct, you know, like the call, they have to then correct their correction of the call. <laughs> um, right. I, I'm left wondering... What more I need to put in a letter to Kirk Schultz to tell him that the guy who answers to him in San Francisco is Tom Hansen levels of incompetent. I like I'm I'm yeah, baffled right now. It it kind of speaks. The funny thing is, it speaks to deception again, right? Yeah. Like for a conference that has been, uh, you know, trying to attempting to. Uh, be more trans well let me rephrase a conference that has proclaimed that it's going to be more transparent yes. right and uh, whether they actually have or not you know Wilner made the point that you know they there were a couple of calls early in the season where they had those explainers and then all of a sudden it was like two months of nothing right and you're trying yeah. to tell me that Pac-12 refs haven't screwed up in two months like yeah not on. not egregiously yeah I mean I'm I, right yeah. oh yeah not enough to you know it's like whatever so um, you know, so then this happens and it's like, okay, so one of two things happened either a, the PAC 12 was being, you know, sort of willfully, uh, you know, like, like they were being deceitful, deceptive, you know, and saying, Oh yeah, they, we, we let them know after a play or two, but a play had passed. And so blah, 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 or, or the ref lied to them, <laughs> you know, yeah. the ref was like, Oh yeah, I noticed after a play. Um, and then the ref told him that, and then they, or maybe they just extrapolated, right? Maybe they just took his statement of, I, you know, I realized after a play, and they took that to mean he went and told them after a play, and then Leach is like, no. And then the guy goes, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I never said that. I just said that I noticed after a play. Yeah, not, not that I went and told him, I just, that I noticed. I mean, that's, 
That's like anyway. what one of your boys would do to get at. Well, no, I just told you yeah. I noticed it, not that I did anything yeah, about it. Exactly. We're yeah. gonna we're gonna parse words and anyway. So, uh, yeah, you you would think that the conference you would think that the conference would go above and beyond, you know, to to be transparent, to make sure they've got their ducks in a row, to make sure it's right, you know, whatever. Like you would think, you would think that they would do that, but they don't. And the reasonable explanation is the guy in charge doesn't change. Right. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you look at the, the Washington Redskins and you go, well, you would think that, you know, that eventually they would figure it out. You would think that, but it's like, yo, when your owner never changes and he's the one leading the dysfunction, this, you get continued dysfunction, right? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it is with the Pac-12. As long as Larry Scott is in charge, you're going to get continued dysfunction. You're going to get continued, you know, bloat with, uh, you know, with the budget. You're just all of the things that have been concerning. You're going to get more of. And it's like what what is amazing to me is that you're going into a TV negotiation that is, you know, the most important thing to ever happen to this conference. That is not an overstatement. No, not at you all. Know, the last negotiation was the most important thing to happen to this conference. The next one is the most important thing to happen to this conference. And you're going to have a guy in charge who screwed it up last time. And it's like, what, I mean, what do you think is going to happen next time? Like, yeah. what do you think is going to happen? He screwed it up last time. He continues to screw up a whole bunch of things related to your revenue sport, sports. And it's like, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to get taken to the cleaners again by ESPN and Fox or whomever. Um, you know, maybe they'll, you know, I'm sure you're going to talk a lot about this over the next couple of years. But, yep. You know, maybe they can lure a streaming service into the fray and they'll probably get screwed by them too. So it's like, <laughs> you know, if you don't yep. change, if you don't change the guy making the decisions, you're just going to get what he's not going to magically figure it out you know you're going to get what you got and and that's what we all continue to get which is frustrating and difficult and you know he should be out running around on every tv station he can get on right now talking about how awesome oregon and utah are and where is he but he's not you yeah. know no yeah I, I think is it do you do you think really quickly do you think it's like an ego i'm, I'm obviously anybody in that much power making that much money it, you know it's constantly an ego thing but it's just a you should respect me because of who I am in my position, not that, you know, I am objectively doing a horrible job and need to be held to account. All evidence points to Larry Scott having a very inflated view of Larry Scott. Like right. that's just the evidence is there. And then the rest of it is he spends his time, um, telling anyone who will listen that he's really awesome and really important and totally deserves his bloated salary. And the frustrating part is that there's been enough turnover with the Pac-12 CEOs that you would think that someone like Kirk Schultz would be in there being like, yo, this, no, like, like yeah. no, this is not good enough. It's not good enough. Um, and, and I fear that they're not making a change because they feel like they're already, you know, however far down the road towards 2024. But it's like, I mean, there's a long time here. You know, yeah. I mean, it's not a long time. No, but, but for for you, you you probably don't start negotiating for at least another couple of years. So it's not it's not like somebody can't get familiar with that in right. Two I years. mean, I'm sure Larry has convinced them that he is, you know, been laying the groundwork for years for 2024, and that you know it'd be a real it'd be a real problem to upset the apple cart now, which it would not be. And you know, I, I've never understood why they didn't go out, you know, hire. 
you know, whoever the SEC's number two guy is or whomever, mm-hmm. like, like just get somebody in there to, to figure it out uh, who knows how the game is played. And, but I think that's probably the, the part that's most revealing is if the CEOs wanted somebody who would play the game the way the game needs to be played, they would have gotten that person or they would have changed that person by now. Yep. And I think that it really is a reflection of the Pac-12 and its values um, that they are – you know, okay, a okay with Larry Scott because Larry Scott believes in the non-revenue sports, and by golly, those things are important. It's uh, it's it's a little. I don't understand why it can't be both. You mm-hmm. know, why we can't do an awesome job for the revenue sports and pump up our non-revenue sports, our Olympic sports. But uh, apparently, this is a an, an either-or sort of deal in this conference, and so this is what we get. He's a gamer. He's a gamer. I am. He's going to eat a Taco Bell burrito to celebrate. Jeff Newser, thank you, sir. <laughs> Appreciate it. All right, Michael. Head of the week. My wife and I had a wonderful time at uh, the MLS Cup on Sunday, as one might expect, if one was a Seattle Sounders fan. Um, but we nearly didn't get to see the ball get kicked off, or actually we didn't. We got to our seats exactly five seconds after it had been. Uh, because we thought we were leaving with plenty of time to get into the game. We showed up at the gate at 11.20, and it took 42 minutes to get in because of CenturyLink Field Stadium Security, who I understand the safety protocols of looking through everything, but they were literally chit-chatting with people, stopping them in front of the metal detector, not letting people pass through when they were wanting other people... 40 minutes to get in to the stadium. And here's the real kicker. When you're in that big crush of, you know, like thousands of people wanting to get in, you don't want to leave because if you leave and go to another line, maybe it's shorter, but maybe it's longer and you don't really know because you can't see inside the stadium too well, so you don't have a good feel for how many people are in there and whatever else, so you stay where you are because, so maybe I could have made it better by leaving, and I know I could have because once we finally did get in, I looked across the big, like, you know, open space. You ever been to Central Link Field? The North Plaza is, like, huge and wide open. I looked to the other side, wide open. No one in line for security whatsoever. So I did screw up in that respect, but I think my thinking of don't leave because, God forbid, if you do and the line is worse elsewhere, then you're really screwed. Uh, yeah. I just... There have been constant, constant complaints about the security at CenturyLink Field for years and years and years and years. I think, like, last summer for that Chesney concert, 
people like waited in line for an hour and a half to two hours just to get in just to get in missed both opening acts because of how clunky the security is at CenturyLink Field it regularly takes 10 to 15 minutes to get in for a Sounders regular season game and so maybe I should have thought you know go to the stadium earlier and I, again I get, could have alleviated it by me going to the stadium earlier but there are 10 Seahawks games a year there preseason and regular season Maybe be ready for 69,000 people to show up. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't think the Seahawks games have that problem. Again, maybe it's just me. I have no idea, though. But, again, just let's get things moving along so we can all get in, enjoy the game, and then go to the bar and drink after. Because that was, that was the whole goal. Ask Michael anything time. Ask Michael. I just want that. Just want to get in the damn stadium quicker. That's all I ask. At Chris McKinter, Chris McKinter, best and worst Thanksgiving side dish, non-dessert category. Ooh, I'm a big mashed potato guy, especially if you get like little, just little chunks of the potato still in there and a good gravy on there. I'm, I, I love mashed potatoes. Also, my mom used to do Caesar salad, and I, it's just a nice kind of like break from all that heavy. Heaviness, just a Caesar salad in there. It's kind of, I, it's like nobody else does it, but I really liked it. Worst Thanksgiving side dish. I hate cranberry sauce. I really don't like it. It is just like if it never makes it onto my plate, like I'm good with I like. I'll take stuffing with like exotic like mushrooms over cranberry sauce. I just, I just did the. And Schulte ten, Nick Schulte. Who are some names you would like to see the team bring in for defensive coordinator next season? You know, it's so funny. Like, I've, I've said this time and again. I am horrible at knowing that. Like, I, I, I have truly no idea. Because for Wazoo, so much of it's pie in the sky. And you saw when Alex Grinch got hired how hard it is to find someone who wants to, you know, come up to Pullman. So, I guess, really quick, off the cuff, it would be Roy Manning if he wants a shot. But even then, that's probably not a great choice. Because I'm sure Roy Manning has designs on something better than that at a Fleming Austin Fleming what past or current Cougar basketball players could have played for the Cougar football team Ivory Clark was an athletic dude like sneaky athletic for his size I think he probably could have played some football and I know I'm missing I can't remember a football player who did play both sports at Wazoo Mark Hendrickson played bas uh, baseball and basketball but I'm completely whiffing on uh my brain is just not working this week. It's, like I said, it's Christmas and I work for an e-commerce company. There's just Your brain just turns off after you're done with work. As I know, because when my wife did this, I told her who it could be. It wasn't Sammy Moore, was it? No, I don't think so. No. Uh, at Growthy Life. Michael Growthy? Growthy? I might have said your name wrong there, Michael. I'm sorry. If you could dispense an unlimited supply of any item out of your belly button other than money, what would you pick and why? These are the questions. Now, these are the questions. I like these questions. If I could dispense any item. Gasoline for a car. I would go with that. Never have to pull over for gas. I've always got gas. It's expensive, right? It's free. So I could just gas up my car and go. I'm assuming like we're going like on a size thing here where I can't just pull a new car out of my belly button. I'm going to assume that's a, that's a, that's a limit here. At podcast versus everyone. Why couldn't you get a better guest? Stanford week. Nobody ever returned my calls. 
At Fraternal Cloud, Jesse, does college basketball have a similar redshirt rule as college football four-game rule? I don't think they do. I don't believe so. You don't see a lot of college basketball players redshirt anyway. It's mostly used in the case of transfers, but I don't think there is. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on that. But it's been a long time since I paid attention to college basketball because, you know, the earning. At Lil Taco 21, Thomas Beeson, with Thanksgiving coming up, what's your go-to move to get annoying family members to shut up about that thing they never shut the heck up about? Uh, it's to go into a room and drink by myself. That's mostly it. Or I am so good at like changing the subject. I'm really, really good at that. Like just kind of like coming over the top at you and changing the subject. I'm really, really good at that. Super good. At K-A-M Walsh, Katie Walsh, what's your favorite non-traditional Thanksgiving food? I think it's Caesar salad. Like again, that's it's just like nobody has Caesar salad at their Thanksgiving, but I, I really like it. At The Last Zoom, Max Corgi, why do so many people hate pumpkin spice? I don't know why. I love pumpkin pie. I, I I don't really have pumpkin spice lattes. I don't drink lattes. I drink black coffee. Uh, so yeah, that's I, I I don't know, but I love pumpkin. At Kevin Anderson, Kevin Anderson. There were no vowels in the at. Uh, what's the worst night you had in Pullman, the UCLA game? That was just so bad. Good God, was it awful? Oh, really, really not awesome. And at Theo Lawson, underscore SR, Theo Lawson. If you could only choose one, would you rather win out in football, make the first round of the NCAA hoops tourney, or win a soccer natty? I would take the soccer natty. That would be so big for Washington State Athletics and that soccer team and finally deserves it. And I just, you know, yeah, an Apple Cup win's nice, but I would that would be so fun to see them win a national championship. That'd be a lot of fun. Washington State 41, Stanford 21. Don't question me out. I'll see you guys this weekend in Pullman and next week on the Cook Center Hour.